What up, everybody? Just as a quick heads up, there is no new episode of Super Duty Tough Work this week. However, what I decided to do was to upload the audio from this week's uh, episode of our live stream that we do called the Artist Advice Hour. On this live stream that we typically just do on YouTube, I invite all of our listeners to submit questions. They can either submit them via email, they can submit them uh, in the live chat, you know, or they can actually call in to our Zoom number and have an audio conversation with me during the live chat. This is only the second time doing it, but it comes out really, really dope. It's really dope live stream. And, you know, since we didn't have a new episode of the show, I thought it might be cool to upload these so that those of you who listen to this podcast on the audio side of things and don't tune in on the video side of things could kind of get a sample of what we're doing over there. And hopefully next time around, when you see that we're doing the artist advice hour, you will join us and bring your questions and engage and join the, the active community we're building on our on our YouTube channel as well. And so this is the audio of episode two of the artist advice hour we got a couple calls in the in the second half of it um one from zero star and he's talking about you know his uh his his viral tweet about ice tea that kind of went crazy and how he managed that and we got uh some calls about bumpy knuckles uh from examine baseball uh nick over there and it's uh, it's just a dope call and so i hope you guys enjoy it and uh, we will see y'all next week with a new episode enjoy <laughs> yes yes my people my people my people what is good what is good we are here we are here let me see let me see let me see who in the chat who in the chat m still what's good what's good what good what's good my guy dan rizzo evening to you too sir grns grxns i don't know if that's grins grins whatever it is brother yo yo what's up to you too tc muse what's good episode two it's going down frying let's go let's go man you know um it's good to have y'all here man you know i'm uh should have done this like a month ago my goal was to do these once a month but uh sometimes things happen and sometimes you take time off and you don't do stuff so as y'all come into the chat uh let me know what city y'all from and let me know what y'all do whether what kind of art y'all do what y'all create i know we got producers in here we be having photographers crate digger dj we got a dj in here already i know elijah he does a little bit of everything M still i know he raps so as y'all come in you know uh let me know you know what's good and what y'all do and where y'all from you know and as we'll get this started man but uh you know i said it's the first time i don't know how many people caught the first one but the first time we did this I just wanted to talk about how, uh, you know, Super Duty Tough Work is an audio podcast and it's not really designed for for interaction. You know, it's not it's not really designed for me to talk to you all full time to go back and forth like this. Right. And so I always wanted to kind of create something like this that was, you know, so where I can actually talk to you all and not have to do it after the fact or in the comment section. And so this kind of gives us a way to do that, to kind of follow up on what we do on super duty tough work uh every week and so yeah i appreciate y'all man so we got yeah man uh jersey's in the house tampa's in the house you know i know columbus is in the house oxnard cali's california is in the house look i appreciate y'all man and so uh i hope y'all brought some questions jason jones what up my man man sammy warm hands what up brother what up 
Larry Nix, what's good? San Antonio, man, one of my favorite cities to play. Al Def, what's good? Jason Jones, unknown Jones in the house, man. You know, as y'all got questions, uh, feel free to start putting them in the chat already. You know, uh, we didn't do this last month. We're going to do it this month. This is now the end of October. So this means that we're um, into September. So it means we're going to come back and do it again in uh, October. And so uh, I appreciate y'all joining me. Um, just to let y'all know, after this is over, Elijah's got a live stream that starts at nine o'clock that he does every uh, Monday. His uh, Beats and B-Sides starts at nine o'clock. You know, so after y'all finish up here, feel free to go show my man some love over there. And uh, but yeah, I got one victoria bc let's go i got one question that came in via email and i'm gonna start that we're gonna start out today let me see abstract renderings from tomaha wisconsin i'm a woodworker and a novice beat maker hell yeah that's what's up man shit woodworking that's some dope shit you got to tag us in some of your work sometimes man uh abstract renderings we'd love to see it i'd love to see it man uh victoria bc wow dope city beautiful city played there maybe twice um Man, so I'm going to I'm going to open up this email real quick and I'm going to read this email from the first question we got. And this question is from um, this question is from M. Stillerman. And his first question is, hey, Blueprint, hope you're well. My question is, when sending my CD to a college radio station, should I include anything else such as a bio website, social media handles? suggestions for which songs to play etc thanks M. still this is a good question to start out with i don't know any of y'all who ever done college radio servicing before uh but in terms of independent radio you know i mean it's not as as huge as it used to be prior to you know the internet and websites like that and, and blog to blog era but college radio is still very impactful especially in terms of charting and so his question is what else should he include with his music and so he said, should he include uh, his bio, website, social media handles? You should send all of that, brother. You should include all of that. You should include your bio. You should include your website, your social media handles, suggestions on which songs to play. I, I agree. I think that whenever you uh, send something to, to anybody, the more information, the better. You have to look at it like this as well. Um, college radio stations get a lot of material. They get a lot of material and because they get a lot of material, um, your goal as an artist should be to make sure that when your package arrives, it stands out more than the others. Now, the kind of guy I am, I've heard of people doing wild things with uh, packaging to make sure it stands out. Uh, you could do something where and this is simple, but this is just my little idea uh, of what I would do if I were trying to make sure I got the attention of these people I'm sending my CD to. First thing I would do is I would get a name so I'm not cold sending it. I would make sure that I have a person who um, I'm sending it to. And once I got that person's name, then what I would do is I would probably just uh, I would I wouldn't send it regular mail. I would probably send it uh, either priority or I'd send it to where they had to sign for it. You know, um, and why do that? Because if somebody's got to sign for something. And if you send it directly to them, it's going to stand out more. They're like, who is this that got my name and actually sent this attention to me and uh, made sure that I, I got it right? And so uh, I think that is the first thing I would do. The first thing I would do is I would make sure that I had it addressed to a person who was there. Right. 
Second thing I would do if I was mailing out to college radio is I would make sure my packaging is different. Now, how do you do that? So people may say, I mean, the average person who sends a CD to a college radio station is going to put it in a white envelope, pad an envelope and mail it off. Right. But what would happen if you instead of sending that white envelope, you got like maybe a, 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 a 11 by 18 envelope included a poster with it? You know what I'm saying? An envelope that's bigger. So it stands out in, in the face of all those people seeing it. What's in this big ass thing? Oh, music's in here. Oh, you open up and it's a poster. Maybe your poster says, you know, you address it to the people who work at the station, you know, or something like that. Like you, you never really know um, what the impact could be, but you know that it'll be more than the people who do the minimum. So I would say, uh, don't just send it like everybody else would send it, send it um, and make sure it stands out in terms of your packaging, in terms of who it's addressed to. And then the, the areas that you mentioned in your email, Mark, where you said, uh, should I have my bio? Absolutely. Absolutely. You should have your bio you should, inside your bio. You should have some quotes that kind of summarize your record about you, you know, um, man, to anybody else. Uh, gosh, we had my guy, Big Stowe on the podcast and he talked about dealing with the press before. And that's a good episode. Shout out to Big Stowe. Uh, hopefully he stops through tonight. But that episode is a great episode where he is actually someone who worked for the press. He works on both sides. He sends packages for artists as a publicist and he actually writes for publications. And doing whatever you can do to make sure people remember you is super duper important. Right. So I would say, um, yes, make sure your bio is dope. I mean, it ain't got to be crazy, but having a bio. Is very important in a, in a world where people are just going to send a basic CD, you know, uh, have your bio there, your social media handles. Absolutely. Uh, you want to be sending people to wherever you do your social media at. And this is why it's important to have a, a solid social media platform. I'm not by platform, but I mean, just like what you've got on your page represents who you are so that when people come look you up, they say, oh, I see who this guy is. I see. I, I see what he's about. Right. That's what you want, because you never know who could be looking at that. And so you want to do that. And, 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 you know, people look at social media as social proof now. So that's always good. Right. Um, shit, I've heard of booking agents and and clubs looking primarily at people's social media before they book artists now. It's crazy. It never used to be like that. And so there are people getting booked strictly by having followers on social media, even if they don't have followers in real life. It's kind of weird, but it's real. That's and that shows the importance of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, gosh, what else did you have? You had your uh, which songs to play. I mean, I don't think anything's wrong with with inside your track listing saying these are the singles from the record. These are the are the highlight tracks of the album. I would do that as well. I think the more you can do, the better, Mark. Uh, the more you can do, the better. I mean, you don't want to be writing no three page letters to no radio director. They are college people overall. But what you do want to do is make sure that when they open it, they know what to do, because best believe the people at those major labels, they're doing everything you just named. And then some uh, another thing I would say, add is make sure you add a link if you can, uh, assuming it maybe you send an email letter as well um, to whatever music videos you have. If you got some dope video content out there. Make sure they get that too. make sure that they know exactly what you're getting. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes that visual part could be what puts them over the top to play the record. 
you know what I'm saying? Especially if it's one for your, for your single, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, uh, yeah, I hope that helps anybody in, in the, uh, Oh, Willie Evans Jr. Clean versions. Say it again for my people in the back. Yes. Uh, golly that I got to put that on screen. Hold on. Willie Evans Jr. Just said clean versions. He's absolutely right. One of the biggest complaints my guys have who do, um, what up, Willie? Who do radio is that artists don't include clean versions anymore. And you got to understand a lot of these college radio stations, they're not just, um, they're not, they're servicing the city and they do have regulations. They can't just, podcasts can play whatever, profanity, whatever. But a lot of these college radio stations are under the same set of rules that the bigger radio stations are in terms of profanity. And so you want to make sure that you include clean versions. And if you, uh, if you don't have them, at least have a link to them. Here's where the, yep. FCC still applies. Exactly. Uh, my guy Craig, yep. It still applies. So make sure you're, you're doing whatever you can to maximize your chances of success. And that includes clean versions. Um, you know, I'm shit. My last three, four records, I've been trying not to cuss at all because I got tired of making, <laughs> clean records for everybody you know it's like man let me just not cuss so much so i ain't got to make these clean versions for people who want to play my records you know what i'm saying and so i'd say do that as well you know in fact i'd say the main version you send out should be clean right it should be fucking clean uh people can get the dirty version anywhere else send you but you don't know people's sensibilities when you send it to a radio station like that and so make sure you send out your clean versions because you know that shit don't get played man and you don't want anything to stop you from uh, getting played. So I'm still, I don't know if you're still in the chat, but um, let me know what you think. If you had any follow-up questions of that, but yeah, that's a great question, man. Yeah. But man, the chat is looking good, looking healthy in here. Let me go back through some of these and see some of these questions, man. I appreciate y'all coming out tonight, man. This is a, a Monday night, you know, streaming. We in here, y'all. Let me see what we got. Oh my God. TC Muse. Let's go. Episode two. Hey, y'all see how your boy got the comments on screen now? See, we have formulas. We have formulas. We update the formulas and then we come back and we can put the comments on the screen the next time we do this. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Let me see. I'm going to go through and see what kind of questions I got. Much love, San Antonio. That's my guy. Let's go. 614. Let's go. Okay, Toma. Worker. Yep, that's my guy right there. Do you think you'll tour again anytime soon from Rhino Bang? Man, touring is such a weird thing right now, man. And I'm working my way down. So those of you who are in the chat, Keep adding your questions to the chat. I'm going to work my way and get to all of them. Um, I was trying to tour last year, <laughs> like everybody else, right? Um, and I haven't talked about it much, but basically 2020 was, I had already set out 2019. I toured 2018. I was supposed to tour 2019. Uh, I, I finished my records in 2019. I was ready to go 2020. All this COVID stuff hit. Whole year wiped out. Last show I played was fall of 2019. Um, 2021 same thing thinking okay maybe i'll try to do some shows later in this year but if you look at how things have developed show wise the festival circuit has been going pretty good summer's going pretty good especially with the um the availability of outdoor shows but what i found difficult is to really really um plan around what's going on in a meaningful way you know, I don't necessarily want to be the first person out there doing it. I, I, I love to tour, but, um, you know, a lot of artists are going out there and, 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 you know, 
you got to understand that certain things about touring are not going to be what they are because there's skepticism everywhere. So some of the bigger room artists, they're going to do great. But there's still some people who may not feel comfortable enough going to shows. There's still some venues who are limiting their capacity. And overall, the market is going to be a little compressed because some promoters are going to be skeptical. So even the artists that you see going out now, they're not getting paid what they would normally get paid to go do it. And so all of those things, plus me having a hard time getting my records out due to vinyl being backed up, you know, there was a record I wanted to drop this fall. But as many people have heard, like the uh, this this impact that it's having on vinyl nationally, a lot of the turnaround times for vinyl are now a year. You know, even the local spot I go to Columbus, there's seven months right now. And that has changed everything. That's the main reason I haven't been able to drop a record this fall, you know, when I wanted to. I wanted to have a record out last month, a full length. But all these turnaround times have kind of killed me and which has killed like the uh, my release schedule has just been. You know, thrown in the trash and my touring schedule has just been kind of messed up because to me, the two biggest things I would do is tour release vinyl and those things kind of go hand in hand for me and so now it's just been a moment of regrouping and trying to figure out what's next um touring i hope to tour when my next record comes out i don't know when exactly it's going to be um i'm going to start putting out a lot of music this fall and just kind of start working my way back to it with or without vinyl with or without shows so as you see me uh i'm just going to start putting out more music and as i keep music coming out just know that i'll be getting closer and closer to touring and i'll probably do some weekend dates here and there you know, I'm thinking about probably rocking Dayton sometime soon, maybe Dayton, Columbus, maybe Cincinnati or something like that. Uh, you know, Florida, they always got my love. Texas, same thing. I might do some dates out there. But as far as like a 70 city tour, I'm just kind of waiting to see how this thing plays out. I, I hate to be planning around something that's so volatile right now, you know, with so much at stake. And uh, it's been a it's been a rough couple of years. You got to imagine most uh, artists like me have lost about two years worth of earnings, you know what I'm saying? Uh, where you're not really making what you would normally make. And some people not making anything. And so, uh, I just want to make sure when I go out there, it's, it's legit, you know, and it's ready. And so I'm just going to do my part to keep dropping more music and making it work. So I hope that answered the question, man. That was a long ass fucking answer. My bad G. Okay. I'm gonna work my way down these joints. Let, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Austin Shoemaker as solo artists are very prominent right now in hip hop. Any advice for a rap duo? Man, that's a great question, man. This is what I would do if I was a rap duo. Um, the first thing I would do in a rap duo is I would play to the fact that I'm a rap duo. Like everything that involves, like if you go back and you look at like the older rap duos, whether they were producer MC or EPMD two MCs, they kind of made sure that like they pushed it as a unit in everything they did, right? And how they presented it, how they dressed, um, how they spoke about it, uh, their imagery, whether it's their logo, their their presentation, their their visual art. Um, I would also take it a step further. How you rhyme. If I'm in a rap duo right now, I'm rhyming as if we wrote every rhyme together. Because nobody's doing that anymore. When you go back and you listen to them old hip hop tapes, where it's four, five people in the crew and, and dudes like that, they were writing two bars at a time. The other guy gets two bars. You write your two, I write it. And we did that a lot in the early waitlist days. We would sit around and write together. Those songs are sorely missing where guys are going back to back. You know what I'm saying? 
um, in hip hop. There was so many dudes doing that that aren't really doing it anymore. And I, I think that's needed. Like if you want to stand out as a duo, yeah, classic spirit form you. Exactly. Like this group spirit from Columbus, they they were like the godfathers of that whole thing in, in this city as far as like having a whole crew and playing off of each other. We don't really see that in hip hop anymore. Even the guys who do records together, it's my turn, your turn. You know what I'm saying? I rhyme for 16, you rhyme for 16. Yeah, EJ says, agree. I miss cats who make a song together rather than throw random bars on a song. Exactly. Exactly. That element, I think, can be brought back. I think you can bring that back uh, because no one's doing it and you would stand out so much as a duo. Make every song to where you can't perform it without that other person. Make it to where you that other person's rhyme is just so perfectly intertwined with yours that the listener is just waiting to see what y'all do next. That was that's what I would do musically. Musically, I would say, you know what? This shit, it doesn't sound like anything out there. And and with a reason, I mean, the reason this it would stand out is because it's just like is it's just rare. And so all of those little things, because if you write your songs like that, then naturally your visuals are going to start uh, embodying that as well. So now when your music videos are done, they have this ill back and forth, super cohesive thing that you can execute visually. Now, when you get on stage and you got these songs where it's you write one bar, he finishes your bar, he writes half an X bar, you finish, you write your whole catalog like that. To where it just truly, truly, truly stands out. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's what I would. That's my advice, man. That's my advice, man. I, I hope that helps, man. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, but that's what I would do. Uh, I don't know if anybody else got any ideas, but anybody else, you know, as far as rhyming in a crew, I think make sure that if you're in a crew, rhyme like you're in a fucking crew. You know what I mean? All the solo stuff. You can't have no songs where one dude rhymes for fucking 32, 64 bars that you would do. Nope. None of that. Four bars, eight bars max. And the majority of songs should be back and forth, sit in the room together and write them together. So I hope that helps. Let me let me see what's next. Let me see what's next. But that was right there. Let me see. Sammy Warmhands asks, as someone who's focused mostly on physical media, what are some resources for getting Spotify playlist placements? Man, you know what, man? This is a this is a wild question because a while back, Sam, shout out to Sammy. Um a while back, I um, I made a tweet and it was about how my my plays on Twitter on uh, on Spotify were just taking off, and I had no fucking idea how. And to this day, the key is to get on playlists, right? Like you can tell through your analytics when you get added to certain playlists that contribute to your plays, right? Um, so that's right. The problem is. You don't really know how you got on those playlists. I don't know. What I do know is there's a million people sending me messages on every social media app I have telling me that for $500, they can get me on any playlist. All I got to do is give them a thousand bucks and they can get me on any playlist. Don't sound legit to me. All I can say is that I haven't seen a lot of stuff strategic things that I personally have done to get on playlists. I've seen getting on playlists, move my place for months up 20,000 from like 40,000, 50,000 
to 60, 70,000 plays per month on Spotify. But I don't know a single person who's hit me and said, yo, I'm going to add you to this. But I think the key, though, is to I think Spotify and the key to Spotify to getting your plays up, period. Is to release more music. More. I think Spotify is one of those machines that just rewards people who put out more. It's almost like YouTube in that sense, how YouTube rewards you for putting more shit out. Um, I think Spotify is very similar in that the more you put out, the more one song gets added to people's playlists. Then as these clusters of people start uh, playing similar songs, it starts recommending their songs to them. Because if you really look at it, one of the biggest features that Spotify has is, you know, similar artists. So if you and I are similar artists, then our fans are likely seeing my songs uh, being recommended to them when they're listening to your stuff and vice versa. When they listen to my stuff, they're seeing your songs every now and again. Um, I think that's the easiest connection, but I'm not going to lie. Spotify is a mystery to me, and I know there's a lot of people scamming, and maybe there will be somebody out here who knows more about actually getting on a playlist. Uh, if so, then I'd love to have them on, you know, that we'll have them call in or something and we can actually have them on because my, my ability to get on, on playlists has been something that has totally, uh, escaped me. I wish I fucking knew because if I knew I would do it all the time, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm going to move on to the next one. Let me see what else we else. What else we got? Let me scoop down a little bit. Bong, bong, bong. Recycled Rhythms asks, do you have a mentor in music or art when you were coming up? What sort of advice would you give someone who doesn't have one? That's a great fucking question, man. I think I've had several mentors along the way. Uh, none of them formal, you know. Um, I'd say the first kind of mentor I had with music, with hip hop music. Um, I would say. When I first started making beats, when I started getting into making beats, I would come to Columbus and um, there was a guy named Greg, uh, Greg Bates. His, I went to school with his brother, Greg and his other brother is three brothers. And two of them had a rap group called Brothers Grimm in Columbus. And so when I, I had a radio show, so I play their music on my radio station, uh, on my show every Friday night. because It was just incredible. I played their demo on there. Eventually, I got introduced to them and then I got into making beats. And so every now and again, when I was in Columbus, I would stop by their studio and watch them make beats on an ASR 10 and, and shit like that. This is in the early uh, days of hip hop in Columbus. Those of you who know Columbus back then, you know, Spirit, you know, Brothers Grimm, you know, Megas Hertz, you know, the intellect, all those names from that era, Storm, um, you know, all those guys. And so they were from that era. And so when I would come in, he would kind of help me. Um, just, just simple stuff like, oh, this is a record I sampled. This is some beats I'm working on. He never showed me how to make beats. I honestly would just go in his basement and just sit in a corner like this. Quiet. Because that's what you typically should be doing anyway. If you learn it from somebody, you should just be setting up and just being a sponge, you know? So I was a sponge to him, but he inspired me a great deal. Um, and that was just on the music side of things. Um, on the business side of things, I think some of the mentors or really I had peers who turned into mentors. So I would say when, in terms of touring and being a live artist, Slug was my mentor, Slug from Atmosphere. 
you know, because Slug taught me, he taught everybody on Rhyme Series pretty much how to rock a show. Like all of us thought we knew how to rock a show until we toured with Atmosphere. And so when I was playing shows and Logic will, will tell you this, we used to be bad on stage. We had some class, me, Logic and Prism had some classically bad shows until um, I went on tour with Atmosphere. And when I went on tour with Atmosphere, that's when Slug taught me. He didn't sit down and say, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. He showed me. He showed me what professionalism was because he stood at the table every night and talked to fans and signed autographs. He was gracious. He was respectful and courteous to people. He treated the, the, the staff in the venues with respect. He treated the sound men with ultimate respect. He never talked to people crazy or got in arguments with people or fought with people over money. He came in, was the consummate professional. And in doing so, guys like me, Brother Ali, you know, uh, everybody else who came after him, you know, we watched and we're like, okay, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. He taught us how to deal with booking agents. You see what I'm saying? Um, he taught us how to, how, to, how to make a set list. It may seem simple now, but how to make a set list before you get on stage. How to practice your set uh, before, uh, weeks before you play. Why you want to be recording your set when you practice so you can go in and listen to it and feel the momentum of it and play it back and make changes. I learned all this stuff from Slug. The first time I went on tour in 2002, he flew me out to Minneapolis. And so I stayed with him for about three weeks. Me, him, and Mr. Dibbs. Stayed at Slug's apartment and we just worked on the set. I would learn songs during the day for about four, five, six hours during the day. I would just listen to lyrics because I was doing his uh, backups uh, during his set. And then uh, every evening we would go practice for about five or six hours. We would go to we would go to Fifth Element, the record store, Fifth Element. While they were still open from like six to eight, me, him and Mr. Dibbs, and we would just practice right there. If people were in the shop, we would practice in front of people. And sometimes it was it was tough because if you messed up some lyrics or you didn't know, you had to do stuff all over again. Some people are shopping and watching you fuck up. But that prepared me. It prepared me for anything, you know. So he was a mentor in that sense. On a business sense, I say the guys that, you know, Rhyme Sayers has always been an example for everything we did at Weightless, even though we kind of started very near to the same time. You know, so when I was like learning the business side. Me and Sadiq from Rhyme Sayers were very, uh, we were talking a lot, you know, because he was doing for them what we were doing at Weightless for. He was doing for Slug and Atmosphere and Idea and Abilities what I was doing for Logic, what we were doing for Logic, getting the publicity, booking shows, you know what I mean? Like, so we would be on the phone a lot. Me, Sadiq, talking about everything from distributors, what distributors y'all are using, what shops y'all send this stuff to, where are you getting that manufactured at? Okay, how do you, how does this work? What, what, you like them? You trust them? Do they pay on time? These are the kind of conversations that I had. And just seeing that whole thing, what they were doing as they were coming up and just building it to where we started as peers. But then in a couple of years, it's like, hey, Print, Rhyme Stairs is taking off. Um, we want the Soul Position record. Would y'all be interested in bringing it over here? And it's like, hell yeah, I would sign to these guys because I've watched the whole thing and I trust them to seeing them hire people, move into fucking, Big ass fucking office spaces that are like beautiful buildings and have a happy dope staff and a record store and a huge festival. That that was like a mentor to me. Having access to those guys taught me a lot. You know, so 
as a mentor and, and someone who in, in your question, same question, what advice would you have as someone who doesn't have mentors? The first thing I would say is become an avid reader. Because just just because you don't have a mentor right there with you doesn't mean you can't learn from those who have more experience. You know, so I augment a lot of the things I don't know with reading. A lot of people, um, they, they miss that piece. But everything that you want, want to know, somebody has done it and probably wrote about it. And you can learn so much just from by reading. So I'd say the first thing is that the second thing is you got to get more active in your scene. Whoever is doing what you want to be doing. Whoever's doing something like you want to be doing it, even if you don't think that they're 10 steps ahead of you or they quote unquote made it, you need to be where they're at. You need to be where they're at. If, if you're into filmmaking or you're into uh, art uh, and there's a local artist who's got the crazy buzz, who's doing murals and he's getting everywhere and he's been written about a paper. You need to be talking to him. You need to be offering to help him. How can I help you? How can I, I just want to learn? Do you need help with anything? The easiest way to get someone who has experience to, to show you something is to offer them value. I'm not talking about charging them. I'm talking about what do you know? What do you need? Oh, you need help. This is what if you go back to the fucking 80s, how did DJs learn how to DJ? They had to carry crates of records, right? They had to carry crates of records. You know what I'm saying? And so when they had to carry these crates of records for the more experienced DJs, maybe at the very beginning of the night or the very ending of the night, or when that big DJ needed to take a pee break or to go holler at a chick or something, he'd put his man on the tables for a couple minutes, a couple records. You see what I'm saying? And, um, you know, that that's how they would gain mentors. They volunteered to help. They didn't get paid to carry them crates. They didn't get paid to DJ when they DJ when the, when they got to put on them, them decks for a couple minutes. That's how you do it. Um, but you have to make sure that you're wherever the people are who are doing what you do. You know, um, y'all know I put out a film in 2017. 2014 to 2016, I was heavily, heavily into the film scene in Columbus. I was heavily, heavily wherever people were talking about film. I was there. Everybody with a camera, I was there. And some cats will tell you. I had, a, I had a meetup for filmmakers in 2015. I was doing that at the spot called New Harvest Cafe. I hadn't released a film yet. You know what I'm saying? I, I, that's what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? So you got to put yourself around people who are where you want to be. And then you got to let them know, hey, man, look, I love what the fuck you're doing. I eventually want to get to where you're at. How can I help you in your journey? How can I help you in your journey? Don't say, hey, you know, here's what I want from you. Will you show me blah, blah, blah. Give me this. That's not how you do it. Offer your sincere help to them along their journey. Offer your be of service to them. And I guarantee you. They're eventually going to trust you. And, they, and when they trust you, they will be feel comfortable sharing you and helping you get whatever it is that you're trying to get. But you got to make sure that you're like um, wherever they're at. I hope that helps, man. Um, let me know what y'all think about that in the comments, man. Yo, everybody in the comments, uh, type one if y'all listen to this week's episode already. Episode been getting some crazy good feedback, man. The last couple of weeks we've been on fire. One if y'all listen to this week's episode about uh, the job or the art. Type a one in the chat and let me know um, if y'all listen to that, man. Let me go back through some of these comments. 
the pre-dynamic and wanted to know if you had some request projects. Let me go back up. One second. Yeah, a lot of people listening. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about, man. Look, I just found out. Y'all told me, uh, yo, to everybody who's listening on YouTube, watch on YouTube. I had no idea the episode cut off at 42 minutes until y'all told me today. So the YouTube version cuts off at 42 minutes. And so I uploaded the new, the last 30 minutes of it right before I did this. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to put it up first thing at 8 a.m. in the morning. So for those of you who got stopped there, like halfway through the rest of it will be up first thing in the morning. I just uploaded it tonight. I had no idea. But if I wasn't doing this, it'd be up right now. But just for everybody who watched that episode uh, and wants to finish it on YouTube, the rest of it will be up tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, thanks for the heads up, man. But yeah, we almost had 2000 followers at YouTube. I think I think we only need like 50, 50. If y'all not subscribed to the YouTube, and y'all in the chat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, subscribe. We need subscribers. We need subscribers. You know what I'm saying? And yo, everybody in the chat, yo, let's get these likes up. We only got 12 likes. I need like 30 likes so that the algorithms recommend this to all the other listeners of this podcast. So everybody, if you haven't hit like yet and you're in the chat, please hit the like button. We need mad likes. We need, we got 32 likes. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's get 15. Let's go. Yeah, 15, 16. Let's go. Likes. Hit them likes. Okay. Yeah. Get those up. And um, let me get back to these questions. Let me see where I'm at. Let me see where I'm at. Let me see where I'm at. One second. Me go back up man it's a lot of cats in here man let me get some shout outs man i appreciate y'all man this is fucking dope this is dope uh hold mine yep hold mine is a perfect example of a crew song man appreciate y'all man okay let me see i'm scrolling down scrolling down the artist that's the plan yep meth meth and reds blackout album yep that's a perfect example of like um a crew album you know where guys are going back and forth um let me see. Okay, TC Muse as insights regarding allocation of time versus creative bid versus time creative versus biz. 50-50 split. Also, what topics should take priority? Relationship building, marketing, pitching new clients. Uh, that's a great question, man. That's a great question. Here's what I think, man. There are times for both. You know, there are times for both. For me. And I don't know how other people do this. For me, I find that everything, I, you have a creative side and then you got an administrative side, right? I find that I have a lot more energy and vigor when I do the creative side, when I do the administrative side, once my creative side is handled, if that makes sense. So like when I'm doing an album or if I don't have an album done, it's very difficult for me to get super duper amped about the administrative side of doing this, if that makes sense. But once my album is done, the, all the promo stuff, all the social media stuff, all that stuff, man, I can go at that hard as hell. Like, because now I know what it's for. And so I like to tell cats like, hey, man, look, man. Why not just, um, why not just, um, make sure your art is right first? Because as opposed to saying, should I do 50% of the day on, on music, 50% business, I'd say once you get a project done, then you'll probably have the energy to do more business stuff. So like I'm doing a lot of administrative stuff right now, uh, be it 
uh, sales, be it reprints, restocks, social media stuff. And the main reason I'm comfortable doing it now is because my art is done. Records done, all that other stuff. If you're an artist, I say the first thing is make sure you have at least one project done. And that project should fuel you to, to, to be able to spend more time on the business stuff because it's very difficult to do nothing but business stuff, administrative stuff, if you don't have no art to power you through that. You know, uh, my days right now, I'm probably about 65%, 75% administrative, 25% creative. But um, that's only because my art is done. You know, um, so I'd say make sure when your art is done, make sure you're you're going harder on administrative stuff then because maybe you don't have nothing to to really energize you to push on the business side. I hope that makes sense. Like I would say 50 50 sounds ideal, but there's times when I literally can't make beats for a month or two. I can't write rhymes at all because I'm busy doing, you know, like I'm busy doing so much stuff that it's like, man, I can't really get into that part of it you know but my music's done now so i can get into it a little bit more so i hope that helps man i i, I wish I, I had a more clear answer but um hold on what was this? you got a second part of your question that i missed it was like what business topics one second what business topics should take priority relationship building marketing pitching new clients man i think relationship marketing and pitching new clients to me are kind of a function of relationship building right I think with most businesses, be they creative or not, I think your relationships, your existing relationships uh, tends to fuel your first set of really good clients. You know, like I think about even now I've been doing music videos for other people for the last year, last two years, and it's become something that does, you know, pretty solid for me. All of my customers right now are people I had previous relationships with. I might not have done music videos for them in the past, but they're people I had maybe done music with. Maybe I had, they had booked me. Maybe I had booked them. Maybe they've been on a podcast, um, things of that nature. I think relationship building out of the three things you named is the one that probably will give you the most leverage in the future. Because once you have those relationships, you don't have to market as much to those people. When they think of that thing that you do, they'll start coming to you. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I already know he does that. I already trust him. That's my guy. We have a good relationship. He's he's a good dude. I see him out all the time. He's he did this and it was dope. You know, I have his number on my phone. You see what I'm saying? I follow him on social media because I trust what he does. That's what relationships do. Marketing is more just like y'all don't know who I am. Here's what I have for sale. I think everything is a lot easier if you have the relationships in place. So I'm a big fan of relationship building, having something of value and just making sure that you know everybody in your space. You know those people in your space, you know what they need. And when they start thinking of whatever it is that they're looking for, your name comes up. You know what I'm saying? Um, pitching new clients, same thing. I, I think pitching new clients should hopefully be a function of your network. As your network expands, hopefully the people who are already doing business with you are willing to give you referrals, are willing to recommend people to you, right? I, I read a, st a statistic several years ago, and I think it says something about uh, 60 or 75% of businesses, uh, customers are through existing customers or, or referrals. 
It's crazy. Like 75% of business that you'll do is through people you've done business with already or referred to you by somebody you did business with already, if that's true. Um, so I'd say, yeah, heavily on that relationship building, heavily on that. And I think you'll see that that thing will open up so many uh, uh, doors for you. Okay, let me see. Let me see what else. Oh shit, just turned in completely freelance and staring to today's subject. Okay, shit, reporting. Sammy Warman, thanks, man. Peace, peace. Thank you, Sammy. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, Sammy's got a dope book out, man. And I want to get, Sammy's a guy I want to get on a podcast very soon. He's got a book out about touring and ruining your life. And, uh, you know, he's a fellow hip hop artist. There's quite a few hip hop artists that I want to get on a podcast soon. But the only problem is that I got to read the books. You know what I mean? And I haven't been reading a lot lately just due to all this other shit going on. But uh, Sammy's got a dope book that you should check out. Um, Wordsworth has dropped a book recently. I'm trying to think. There's a few other guys who've dropped books uh, recently that I want to get on a show. Um, or maybe I'll just have them on here, you know, to where they can just call in and we can just shoot the shit about the book. And it doesn't have to be on Super Duty um, because I'd like to do that as well. So, Sammy, uh, I ain't forgot about you, bro. I'm going to get you on. Now, let me think. Reporting from 20XX, I know you worked on multiple projects pre-pandemic, and I wanted to ask if you had a certain way of balancing projects out. Much love to y'all and everyone in the chat. Yeah, man. Shout out to everybody in the chat. I appreciate y'all, man. Um, this is a great question, man. But this is kind of something where it reveals how weird my work uh, uh, habits are. Um, when it comes to balancing projects, I'm a guy who doesn't really have. I'm not really good at. Um, What's the word? Multitasking in a traditional sense. Right. So I don't multitask like, OK, I'm going to work on this project for two hours a day. Now I'm going to work on this project for two hours a day. And then that's it. What I do is I work on one project at a time, super heavy. So when I wrote uh, the social media book, I wrote it um, like three months. And I didn't do nothing else those three months. And then after that, I did another instrumental record, uh, Chamber Music 2. Same thing, three months. Didn't do nothing else creative during those three months but that. Um, that's my process. Some people may not be good at that. But for me, I kind of have to do that because momentum is so important in what I do. It's so important in what I do, man. Um, let me think. But yeah, I don't have really a way of balancing it, man. I'm one of those guys, man. Um, I'd say if you are going to prioritize it, though, prioritize what you think is going to be the biggest and most successful. You know, so I do have a priority in terms of the projects I choose to work heavily on, you know. Whatever you think is going to have the biggest impact, put everything in that. Don't don't prioritize projects that are just cool, but you don't know exactly if people want to fuck with them. Prioritize what's bigger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, see, this is a good comment from Crate Digger. He says there are folks this is in regards to the playlist question. He said there are folks who have playlist creation as a part of their brand universe. Building relationships with those folks is an option that puts you one of those playlists. They may not be the home page playlist. He's, exactly. That's a great comment. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's people who that's straight up what they do. And there's a lot of money in playlists right now, man. There's a lot of money in playlists, man. And so, yeah, if you're an artist and you know people who curate playlists like that, rock with them, rock with them and make sure they know who you are. You know what I'm saying? Because outside of that i don't know personally i've never done that but there's definitely a lane for that and there are people who straight up just curate playlists for artists okay let me see ricardo tejeda the layout of this is dope thanks ricardo appreciate you my man 
He said, but it's a punk to stop the algorithm. See if your name tracking it. Yep. Yep. Slug shook everyone's hand at the front door of the first con that I ever attended. Covington, Kentucky. Facts. 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 That's what Slug did. We learned that from him. When you see when you see Rhyme Sayers artist tour, one of the things we got known for was how friendly we were to everyone else or how we interacted with our fans and our friends. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Slug was a big part of that. Jason Jones, a lot of what up? We here deep. Yeah, my guy Zero Star in the house. Yo, before I go to any of his questions, man, I want to one quick thing. Um, everybody in the chat, type a two if you notice all this shit going on with Ice T two weeks ago, where Ice T basically was um a tweet took off that said Ice T, you know, was was kind of terrible, and um that tweet went on and then um. It kind of went viral. Let me see a two in the chat if any of you heard about that. I want you guys to uh, hold tight for a second. I got my guy Zero Star. He's actually who wrote that tweet that went crazy. Um, you know, and so uh, it was crazy, man. And so uh, this shit, I want to get him in here to, to chat about this shit in a minute because uh, he said we in here deep. <laughs> we are, man. We are. We are. Let me let my guy into the, the waiting room. I forgot to turn my Zoom on. See, this is a lot to think about. Every time I do this, I'm amazed that I get through this without messing up, man, because it's just so fucking crazy. All the little things you got to think about when, when you're doing this. So let me make sure. Let me see if I got anybody else in here that I didn't miss. Uh, no, I probably missed somebody. Okay. Yeah, we cooking. I feel like we hardcore followers. Yo, I appreciate you, man. Yes, man. Yes. Yes. Yeah, hit that like button. That's what I'm talking about. Hit that like. Get the likes up, as they say in, in uh, YouTube. Yo, get the likes up, son. And that is great advice for sure. Organization Air 292. Okay, AIG at Chapter 4 Designers. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, Jesse Ducker. Okay, let me see one quick second. Let me clear this. And let me see if I can get Zero Star on here for one quick second on this phone. Zero Star, let me turn on your audio. Uh... Hey zero, can you do you can you okay? I'm gonna ask you to unmute yourself, zero. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Hey, if y'all can hear zero star, type a one in the chat real quick. Uh, say something, bro. Yo. Yeah. Can y'all hear him? If y'all can hear him, type a one in the chat. If y'all heard him say yo real quick. Yeah, we got a one. Yeah. You want you want my man? You want? I'm in here. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is like a real talk show, son. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is wild as hell. Who the thunk it? I thought you forgot about me, man. You was getting your bars off. Yeah, I, I was in the zone, man. I'm sorry, man. I was blacking out, man. Then I looked up and I was like, oh shit. I was I was sitting there like, damn, I ain't seen him ask to get in the Zoom yet. And then I noticed I hadn't started the Zoom call yet. Yeah, you was rocking. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of dropped the ball. I was slipping, bruh. My fault. Nah, it's all good. But yeah, let's talk about last week, man. Last week, man. So for those of you who uh, bought this book, before we, pre I'm gonna preface this thing with this. There's a chapter in this book uh, that I wrote called "The Social Media Cheat Code," and the chapter is called "Use the Wave." And for those of you who ain't seen the book or read the book yet, I'm gonna read a quick passage so y'all know. Uh, the preface of this conversation about to have with my man because this is dead ass what happened and so this chapter starts like this it says 
One of the ideas I get pushed back on from artists when I advise is when I advise them to stay on topic. No matter how well I explain the benefits of it, artists complain that not being able to comment on current events restricts their freedom of expression. They believe they should be able to talk about any topic at any time on their professional pages. And you know what? They're right. They should be able to talk about any topic on their professional pages. Unfortunately, the vast majority of the majority of them can't do it properly. So I don't recommend it. The biggest problem with how artists deal with current events on social media is that they simply ride waves. They have no shame in hopping on whatever wave is popping that day, getting emotionally wrapped up in it while rarely adding anything new to the conversation. Even worse is that they never connect the topic with who they are or what they do. When you combine this with not posting about their art enough, it creates a situation where their followers start to feel like they aren't getting what they signed up for. Instead of riding the wave, I tell artists to use the wave. Riding a wave means that you're just a passenger willing to follow the wave wherever it leads. To use a wave means you're taking advantage of the wave's energy, then using it on your own terms for your own benefit. When you ride a wave, the wave determines your destination. But when you use a wave, you determine a destination. This distinction is very important. And I go on to talk about how to ride a wave, the benefits of that and, and what can happen, the good and the bad of it. And so uh, I wanted to have my guy Zero Star on because he kind of dealt with the bad of it for like a whole week, y'all. My man's car got stolen, I think by Ice-T fan, you know. <laughs> but no, he wrote a tweet and I can't remember what the tweet, you might be able to remember too. What was it? What did the tweet say, uh, Zero? Uh, so... All right, so basically the tweet said, um, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it went, but it basically said that Ice-T um, has zero joints, but <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's a Hall of Famer, yeah. you know, first ballot. And I was saying that it's incredible that he is, you know, he's able to, you know, be where he's at, but his player rating is like a 48. <laughs> that so, was the, that was the part. Yeah. The so, 48 player rating was the part that just set it off. Right. So <laughs> here's the thing though. Like, so for everyone that I understand why it went where it went, but I'm going to yeah. just say this for people that follow me on social media that understand like how I write, that's how I write. So I just and and you know even like when you talk to me i talk in like a lot of hyperbole like you know it's just i was being extra trying to be funny yep um but i you know i don't expect people you know who don't know me to to get that so um <laughs> but also i'm thinking too like yo i'm not it's not like i'm big on social media you know, it's not like I have thousands and thousands of followers, so I'm not even really tripping. Because if you go back through my social media, I probably got way wilder takes than that. Oh, facts. And, um, facts. So I, so I went to sleep, you know, <laughs> I, I, I said that on a Wednesday. I went to sleep. You know, I didn't get back on Twitter the rest of the day. And then I um, woke up the next day and my mentions was on fire. <laughs> and... I couldn't even, <laughs> yo, like, I, I couldn't even, I didn't even know why. And then I saw you, you had, uh, you retweeted me. Yeah, I, I'm that, looking back, like, I probably shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have quoted oh, you. 
Well, no. Yeah, so in retrospect, that kind of started. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> I kind of did my man wrong. Because I'm thinking, like you say, it's just shit that we say to each other. Right. So I, I saw and I'm like, oh, okay. And then, you know, people kept, you know, kind of hitting at me throughout the day. But it wasn't, you know, I'm like enjoying the banter. Like, yeah. thinking it's cool, whatever. And, um, then Quest Love tweeted me. No, no, no. So I Look, no Mers, Mers yeah, tweeted I, you. Yeah, I was gonna say before him, Mers tweeted me. Mac Lethal. Mac Lethal tweeted me. And I'm I'm like, hey, all right, whatever. You know, like <laughs> Mers, I get it. You from the West. I, I get it. Yeah. And again, like I wasn't about I'm trying to explain, like, yo, I'm you know. I'm just saying, like, musically, dude's not fired to me. Like, that's just what it You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's... But he's an absolute legend. Yeah. I mean? And yeah. I'm, I'm still stand on that. Musically, I don't think he's fired. And But, you know, it's crazy, the amount of people that agreed with me in secret. But that's a whole nother thing. But, um... So, so yeah, Murs, Murs tweets at me. Mac Lethal tweets at me. And then, um, you know, I'm... You know, it's starting to pick up some steam, but I'm still like, oh, yeah, okay, it's cool. And then Quest Love tweeted at me. Uh oh. And yeah. then like, my mentions <laughs> just went crazy. <laughs> I was like, yo, <laughs> every time I hit refresh, it was like 35, like just new people. And um, I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. And then, um, you know, so that went on the rest of the day. And, you know, I'm still kind of like, this is kind of wild, but I'm thinking it's going to, like, die down. Wake <laughs> up the next day, same energy. I'm like, dang. <laughs> they was on your neck. They was on your they neck. Was on my, for um, immediately, like, yeah. all times of the day. <laughs> so like, oh. you know, the funny part is you and I were tweeting the first day. And I was like, he was like, damn, they still on. It's midnight. I said, bro, you just now catching the West Coast. Right, right. <laughs> I was like, you got a ways to go. This ain't over no time soon. <laughs> Yo, so, so then, like, I, I woke up, fired off a couple of tweets about it. And then it just came to my mind. I was like, you know what? Um. You know who else falls in this category to me? The Beastie Boys. Fuck it. I threw them under the bus, too. So, <laughs> but I, I said it in, in probably a more, probably the way I should have said the Ice-T thing. Yeah, you well, ain't give them so no then, player rating of, of 32. Right. right. <laughs> but so then, uh, Ninth Wonder retweeted me on that. Uh, I saw that. So, but, but here's the crazy part about that, because he basically agreed with what I said. Yep. But so then I started, my mentions started being on fire with a bunch of people agreeing with what I had said about the Beastie Boys, which was really what I was trying to say about <laughs> Ice-T. I was just trying to be funny about Ice-T. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, and because Quest Love had disagreed with me, the pendulum swung that way where everyone was just on my neck. And wow. it was interesting to see how like where Ninth had agreed with me with a, a group I felt like was in the same category, it was a bunch of positive. But yeah. then on the other side with Ice T and Quest Love being like, nah, you're wrong. 
and you know, not just him, you, and like all these other people, it was like, no, oh, you, you know, you're a, a 19 year old. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah. Man. That was the funniest part about it was everyone thinking I was like this 20 year old kid who has like no, uh, like knowledge of, you know, hip hop history and, you know, but the, the, the narrative was already what it was. So like, I'm trying to explain to people and no one even wanted to hear it, you know? So at that point, then I like dug in and was like, fuck it. Y'all want to yeah. talk shit? I'm going to just talk shit with you. And so. <laughs> yeah. You reached a point where there's a thing I talk about in a book where it's like, um, like when, when that shit happens, cause you know, you and I talk about, you saw me go through it with like Wale's fans and like. Wally's Zerbiak's wife. Yeah. Wally's, I forgot all about that. Well, yeah, me and Wally Zerbiak's wife was going back and forth over. So yeah. I can't remember what I said about Wally Zerbiak, but she was in my mentions heavy. It's just yeah, hilarious. Yes, and so, you know, yeah, I have one of those every couple of years. I have one of those, man. And I remember this dude said a couple years ago and I talked about the book. He said, basically, when, when you get on the backside of one of those, he said, you got two options, man. He said, you can either uh, you can either tweet through it or log off. Right. <laughs> you And I was like, I wonder what car you're going to do. And I, you was like, nah, Jack, I ain't running. I was like, you going to tweet through this shit. <laughs> you tweeted through it, man. Yo, and so then it just it kept it kept. uh Ooh, see right there in the comments, I see somebody said, I can't think of any records I've spun from Ice T. Yo. Yeah, but, that's what I'm saying. It's a it's not that crazy of a take. It's not. But it's not crazy, but it's it, you know. I, I just didn't realize that. I just didn't know, man. I had no idea that you couldn't talk about him. I didn't know he was off limits. Like I felt like all of a sudden people was telling me he was Mount Rushmore and I was just like, yo, I've never heard this before. So that was bugged out to me. Um, so it, it went on for like, like multiple days. And then um, someone had tweeted at me and said that they were talking about it on Sirius radio yeah. station. And I'm like, yo, yeah. dog, remember, remember I sent you think it was on hip. One of my fans sent me to think oh. when hip hop DX Right, wrote a right. whole post about it right yeah no i'm skipping yeah and I'm then skipping. it then it went to serious and like then ice tea it's like crazy what yeah no i i skipped way ahead yeah, yeah so this is still going on right people are still getting at me i'm still you know i'm fighting back but so then what slowly starts to happen is people start tagging ice tea and i'm he <laughs> snitch ass I'm like stop it don't do that <laughs> like knock it off <laughs> They keep tagging him. Yeah, I bet at final level he don't, you know. And I'm like, dang, why do he keep? So then I think, I think, um, and, and me, me, you, and RJ's group chat. I think I'd say I was like, I think he probably saw this because yeah. like they just kept, they kept adding him, and I'm like, damn. And then sure enough. Like, I think either maybe that must have been a couple hours later or maybe that was like the following day you sent the link. Uh -huh. And then it was uh, with him and then he had the response. And then, then from there, people started jumping in my Instagram mentions. <laughs> uh, one day, so it went, from, it went from Twitter to Instagram? Yeah. I didn't even know that dude from columbus he said you know you don't speak for all the columbus when you talk like that acting like a clown <laughs> <laughs> it's on your head. 
Oh shit. Foster, what up, baby? What up, Foster in the house? Hell yeah. Uh, what's up, Foster? Um, That's great. So, yeah, they they was on my head. But here's the dope thing about it, though, that I felt like a small victory. So one, uh, he yeah, when he tweeted and called me a clown ass, I uh, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, I I had, I responded and I was just like, yo, man, I hope your streams went up and he liked yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, when you said you're welcome, I thought that was a fucking perfect, right? Perfect like, fucking tweet. On. All right, like <laughs> you're welcome, <laughs> respectfully. Yeah, respectfully. Did I did did I not get a conversation going about Ice T that was not happening? Hell, hell yeah, I'm hell saying. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's a it's a fact. So I'm saying, you know, like, um, and it's not like I was, you know, that's the thing. It's not like I'm some uh. Contrary to popular popular belief, I'm not some 20 year old looking for clout, trying to you know I wasn't plugging music or anything. I was just <laughs> I'm just a dude on social media, man. Um, uh, yeah, that's but, just but crazy. The dope, but the dope thing, oh, so what I was saying was the dope thing, uh, like a small victory to me because right before that tweet, um, I had had my you know, one of my freestyles up there, right? Yeah. So here I am saying a dude who's a legend is a 48 player rating. <laughs> now, you know, social media going to be on your head like, oh, who you think you are? Facts, facts. Let me check this guy out. <laughs> my plays went up crazy. Yeah. And only like one or two people was like, nah, you know, you're whack or that's trash or whatever. But so the fact that nobody was really on my head about it mm -hmm. made me feel like vindicated. Like, cause if it would have been whack, people wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. They'd have let they, you fucking know. They'd have quoted that a million times and been like all on your head. If it was, they would have been on my head. Crazy. Nobody really said anything. They just let me rock. So I was like, okay, all right, well, you know, so. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> Yo, that shit was great. See, Paz know what it is, man. That's normal. That's normal stuff for me, man. Yeah. I just talking. Yeah. Yeah. I had a I had some thoughts, and this is what's kind of crazy, and which is why I thought this would be dope to talk on here, is because like I have this theory and I and it's just like um for everybody in the chat, because this stuff can happen to you at any point. There's gonna be something that blows up that you tweet. If you're tweeting right, there's gonna be something that just blows up that you don't have no control over, right? And so I had this idea that like whenever stuff like that happens, one of the ill ways to do it, to, to, to freak it would be to make whatever that was you fucking blew up for your thing. Right. Like the ill shit to do for those of you sitting at home, if something like this ever happens to you, think about what it was that you tapped into because you've said it yourself, you know, that there were hundreds of people who agreed with you. Yeah, for sure. They wouldn't say it publicly. Yep. They wouldn't say it, but they 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 were liking it. Your ratio wasn't that bad. It wasn't. It I mean, wasn't. The, the quote tweets were hilarious. That shit had me in yeah. tears. Just people were they were so fucking funny. But the yeah. likes were not that bad. People were liking it. And so, like, what I thought, and for those of you at home, if this ever happens to you, what I would say to do, pay attention to what it is that motherfuckers hate you for. Like, oh, y'all, this these spicy takes that is what got y'all on this shit. Double the fuck down. Every week, 
do two or three of those. Right. And then it then it becomes your fucking thing. Yeah. Because like you're saying, your Beastie Boy tweet got picked up by Ninth and that one wasn't even viral. Right. Right. It could have if you didn't have one that was already going viral, that Beastie Boy tweet would have went viral right after that. Right. I promise you. It was just that the ad, that other one was getting so much fucking attention. Right. And it and it just becomes, yo, I would have changed my fucking bio, zero star to do with the hip hop hot takes. With the takes right. that you agree with, but you the the takes that you act like you don't agree with, but you do, or that you agree with behind closed doors. <laughs> I, I think my bio is Ice T hates me. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. You yeah, know, man. because yeah, man, I, I that's what a lot of people who who tend to blow up off of stuff like that. What I know is about them is they're very good at being like, oh, wait a minute, I might become the person who. I can be the face of this thing. Right. Let me just dial this in. You know what I mean? Like, and then you just like, you created the wave and now it's just like, fuck it. I'm a, I'm gonna get something out of this now, you know? Right. And, and so like, yeah, I thought that was, it would be just like an ill thing for those of you at home. I mean, you obviously can't just do it tomorrow, but, and there's so many factors, but man, seeing how that worked and like your tweets, you know, it, uh, created that thing. Dog, you could do that again every fucking month or two. Right. Yeah, yep. man. It's, it's, uh, I definitely, uh, you know, from the all hilariousness of it aside, I was really definitely like trying to look at the angles of it all and like just kind <clears> of <throat> trying to observe like, you know, how things are moving and why they're moving the way they are, you know, basically trying to understand the matrix a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting to be in the middle of something like that because you see it all the time on social media happening and you wonder like how does that happen yeah then, you know so when it happens to you um <laughs> like then, damn yeah right and and then you know like you said your reactions to it and how you you handle it and and all of that uh you know uh Pa said, "Don't talk about bumpy knuckles, yo." So here, okay, stop. <laughs> yeah, ain't nobody. Actually, yo, check this out. I actually, this is real talk. I actually have a list of people that I refuse to say anything negative about on social media because I am afraid that they will come find me, and he is definitely <laughs> on that list. <laughs> another, Hell yeah. another person that's on that list is Chino XL. He's too big, man. I don't want no. Oh problem. shit. Examine yeah. baseball said so he's got a good bumpy knuckles story. Okay, examine baseball. You still in the in the, uh on the in a zoom? Let me make sure, man. I might have to, we might have to hear this bumpy knuckle story. One second, hold the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, y'all. This is about to be great. Let me make sure. Hold on, Nick. Hold on for a second, zero. I'm unmute yeah, you for a second. Bring Nick in. Hey, unmute yourself, Nick. Hey, you yeah, there? Frank. Yeah, hey, am I clear? Yeah, you mad clear, son. Uh, type right. uh, type one in the chat if y'all can hear Nick. Uh, he sounds clear to me, but make, let me make sure y'all can hear him. Can y'all hear him? Yep, zero can hear him. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I need to hear this bumpy knuckle. So uh, this definitely. <laughs> Yo, thanks a lot, man. And uh, I've been enjoying the podcast. And B, I know we still got to catch up on, on you know, on doing that, um, you know, the call about the book. But um, Definitely. Um, all right. So I think this was Temple University. They did a hip-hop speaker series. I think with Michael Cord, I was out there from like 02 to 04. So it was somewhere in that range, right? Like when Connection came out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so he's given a talk maybe for about 100, 150 people. And it's like, 
white kid snickered at something that he had said, like, you know, during the beginning of his talk. So he stopped the talk and he's like, you stand up. He's like, let me guess. You ain't from the city. And he's like, no. He's like, how do you think I know? And he was just like, the kid got like so shook. And he's like, yo, he's like, you're not allowed to say like another word for the rest of the talk. Or I'm going to make sure like myself, you know, that you find your way out. So you just saw everybody shut the fuck up and freeze for the rest of the time. And then, you know, bumpy talk for about like an hour, you know, about the industry and everything else. But yeah. like the fear of God that went through the kid and honestly, like the rest of us, you know, I was like, what, 23, 24. I was like, yes, sir. You know, I just, I just, I just sat and watched him talk for the rest of the time. And it was, it was, it was pretty hilarious, but he still had that physical presence about him then. Yeah. And, you know, like you th- you were wondering, you know, he's talking about how he had the, you know, twin millies and all that stuff. Maybe yeah. not on him, but you didn't know. Maybe he really had it on him. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. Bump, you ain't you're not saying anything negative about him in person because, uh, you know, he'll just give you that look. And, and it's like, you know, you just kind of cower and put your head down. You're like, sorry, sir. I didn't say nothing. You know? yeah. So, yeah. That was it. Yeah. That's that's my story, man. So thanks. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Hell yeah, man. Thank you so much. Let me let me cut back over to Zero. Sorry, hold on a second, man. Hold on. Hold on. I'm you, Zero. You still there? Are you still there, Zero? Yep. I'm there. Yeah, Nick. Thank you so much. That is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. That's hilarious. And but that's my point, man. I definitely <clears throat> there's 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 certain people I won't say anything about. And uh, he was like <laughs> He's top two on that list, and he ain't number two. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, he's one of those guys who who is physically intimidating. Plus, he's he'll shoot your ass. It's like yeah, some guys. It's like, oh yeah, I might fight that guy, and then he's got the combination of I can't beat him fighting, and he'll probably shoot my ass. Right. Yeah. Man. <laughs> nah, nah, he's he's uh, like his stories are. Yeah, he's he's legendary. I'm good on him, man. Nothing but positivity for that brother. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. This man clicked over on the live screen like a high school phone call. <laughs> hey, had to do it, man. We needed to get that on here, man. Hey, had to tell the story, man. That shit is great. He told us how he went into land speed and got his money back. I've heard that story. I heard about him getting his money back from Lance Speed. I didn't hear the, the shit, but I, we might have to click over and get you back on on the three way. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hold on, do we? Uh, if y'all want to hear this Lance Speed story in the chat, uh, type one, type one. If y'all want to hear this, Lance, <laughs> this bumpy knuckles the bill collector story, we might need to hear this. I, I got a feeling I know how we got it back. <laughs> <laughs> you typed the one in the chat. Zero typed one in the chat. He already like, yeah, I need to hear this. Hold on, Nick. We coming back. We coming. My man Larry Nick typed. Mad ones. <laughs> he came with a hundred ones. This one okay. Just want to hear. Yeah, everybody want to hear this. Okay, this is okay. Bumpy knuckle story time. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay, Nick, we coming back to you. We coming back, Nick. You there? Oh man, you guys are making me go back into memory banks, right? Let's so I'm, I'm just sitting here talking about this <laughs> and thinking, and I ain't trying to like hijack the thing. I actually like came into Zoom accidentally. I didn't realize it was like you know an AB situation. I'm late to the call, but oh no, um, no, you're good. This is this is right. this is good. So from what I remember, right, and this was all at that same night talking about, you know, I guess land speed older money, right? Just like how they owe everybody money, and yeah. you know they weren't paying up, and uh, 
you know, he went up in there, and I, if I can remember it correctly, like, I think he just put the gun down on the table. <laughs> right? And then, and, that, and, that, and, that, and that was it. Like, I, he was like, yeah, I got my check. Right? But, you know, just imagine Fox coming in all swole and be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to get my money. And that's how he told us he got his money back, right? So, so yeah. that's that's how I remember it. But it was all pretty close to that, right? About him going up in there with the gun. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so he pulled a he pulled a gun on whoever was get the guy that was run, that was running land speed. Damn. From what I remember, right? Yeah, so, you know, Alleg- allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't know. Word on the streets is street is, is yes, <laughs> totally. Muffy Knuckles put the gun on the table. Yo, I believe that man. He's got he, land speed. For those of you who don't know back home, land speed at one point was one of the biggest distributors of independent hip hop. Fat beats and land speed were arguably two of the biggest or the biggest ones at that time. And land speed was also just like fat beats. They mess with independent hip hop, but they also mess with guys who were on majors quite a bit. And so they would sign these guys who were coming off of their fresh, their, their, their major labels and do deals with them sometimes. And Landspeed developed a reputation for doing these P&D deals, these pressing and distribution deals with artists where they press your record and they distribute it, but then not paying people on the back end. And so hearing that Bumpy Knuckles went up in there and just put the gun on the table. <laughs> right. It's just amazing. amazing. It is. Well, they were like they were like rolling money into the next releases. Right. So it was yeah. like, you know, it was like they were pyramid pyramid scheming it allegedly. Right. What, you know, some of the other artists at the time had told me. Right. That, yeah. like, they came up short. So they were like taken from one person's release you know, to pay the next one. And I think this was over what? Over industry shakedown, right? I think yep. I think that came out through them. If I, again, yeah. you know, I'm going back, right? So. I believe so. Yeah, I got, I mean, we had, uh, we got pyramid schemed back in the, in those days. Like we were, we were putting out records. Gosh, what's the distributor name? I can't remember their name right now, but we were selling through everything and we printed our own stuff. And even then when we did, we did a couple vinyl releases with them. They were just a this not land speed, but it's a different. I can't remember their name right now. But was it raptism? Nah, this was before them. They were they were bullshit too. Yeah, fuck raptivism too. They it wasn't Caroline, to was it? Nah, not Caroline. This was a smaller one. They were smaller. Okay. Um, but what they ended up doing, the dude who ran it, the kid who ran, it, he was like, you know what? Being a, a distributor is not good enough. I want to be a label. So then he signs, st- starts signing artists. As soon as he starts signing artists, we stop getting paid. But he he ran out of rec he ran out of our records. He was basically taken. We find out he basically and what, who was some of the artists he signed? Uh, his first record I think was Cunning Linguists. Oh Su- no, this was Fresh Chest. Uh, was it Fresh Chest? It, it was this, what was the kid's name over there? I can't remember Success. that kid's name. Was it Six? Nah, nah, not him, not him, not him. Okay, there was another kid. It wasn't Fresh Chest. Man, I'm going. They were, they were the dudes that had that had cunning links. I remember, like you, you have to check with Super because he was he was if if it's the same if it's the same people, but he might know. Yeah, because me and Super talked about it on tour. He was like, "Damn, they was just taking y'all shit to put out." Or boiling oh, point. Sh- boiling point. That's it. There we go. Because now, yeah, he mentioned that in a song. I remember that. Like, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They we funded all those records. Waitlist did. <laughs> we we funded all those dudes records who came out their first four or five records that was all waitlist money was was that super also or, or was that a little I, bit I, after 
I don't know if Super was on there after, but I, I know that they definitely yeah. got us. And they were just like, they basically admitted like, look, man, we 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 blew all these money on these records. We can't afford to pay y'all. We still want some more records so we can sell them. We're like, dude, y'all basically sold all the records we gave us. We gave y'all. Y'all sold the shit that, you know, and then y'all didn't pay us. And now you're asking for more records so you can make back the money you lost on these artists that you don't have money, didn't make money on. The audacity. <laughs> <laughs> yo back in the day it was crazy a lot of people don't understand dealing with distributors back then it was a crapshoot it was a crapshoot if you got paid a couple times be happy we sold through so many times that but we couldn't get paid once people started trying to be labels when they were just distributors it was fine once they started trying to do all this other stuff it was like they were gonna sell all your shit put it into somebody else and then you couldn't get paid anymore, but then they'd be hitting you up every week. Yo, we just need 50 more of them logics. Yo, we just need 30 more of them fucking greenhouse records, man. Just let us get some more, man. We'll get it back. Right. <laughs> like, yo, y'all owe us like five G's. Y'all was like 10 G's, 20 G's. Man, we just need more records, man. Right. right. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, man. So hold on. Let me, let me, let me mute y'all, man. Hold on. Let me, let me see if so. anybody got any more questions in the chat. I think I might've done all the questions, man. Man, I don't Yo. Can I get one off? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. Yo, it was about today's show. So, like, I just was thinking about this. Um, you know, you're talking about like working full time and then doing art, right? Yeah. I just got through like three interviews today. And, like, I'm 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 absolutely sauced after like teaching a whole day. Um, how did you make time, you know, to do your music and then do the work surrounding it? Yeah. You know, after working eight, nine, ten hours, you know, with the commute and then having to, you know, whatever, eat and do all the other stuff. You know, at home, how'd you do that and, and manage to get a reasonable amount of sleep or did something suffer? Yeah, well, back then, I mean, I was pretty much I mean, I was working from like eight to like six or seven. My thing was more like from eight to 11 every night, pretty much no matter what. And then all day on the weekends, that was when I kind of worked on the art. You know what I'm saying? So from that would have been from 97 to. 2002 all those years pretty much anytime i got home from work i would try to make beats and try to um you know work on the business but most nights i only had about two or three hours you know so if i made one good beat every night i would do it saturdays i would wake up early and go digging and then i make beats all day saturday and then maybe once a month the whole crew would come down a logic and greenhouse they would come down to stay the weekend at my apartment we do music the next two days but overall, all I could do was two to three hours a night then. And but those records, which is what I was talking about on the show, like the the first two Illogic records, the Unforeseen Shadows and the Got, Got Lyrics records, those were the, the records that really kind of put the spotlight on Weightless and all of us produced those. Eight Million Stories. I wrote that while I was working. Unlimited EP wrote that while I had the job and I was driving back and forth to record with RJ in Columbus. He was working at a bank when we were doing those first two soul position records rj was a bank teller wow <laughs> you know what i'm saying and uh i was working for kroger and i we would just drive down and try to record he would come to me sometimes and we record him in the basement of my apartment um and sometimes we would record at his apartment but we didn't have no real gear we didn't have a lot but we just would we would try to do it on the weekends go hard he'd send me beats i just try to write during my commute some bars at work um but overall all I had was two to three hours a night and that's kind of all I did. And at that time we were just doing everything because we were just so, 
I didn't, I didn't, I say that to say that I didn't know that the soul position shit was going to stick any more than I, I knew their logic shit was going to stick. Mm-hmm. We were just doing as much as we could. And I was just like, let's just keep making as much music as possible. Cause we don't fucking know. The next thing you know, certain things start happening. You know, RJ ends up getting this single deal on some label from UK. Um, that was for like an instrumental record. And then he was going to put final frontier on the B side. He loses that deal for whatever reason that deal falls through. Lo and behold, um, copyright and Camus, you know, they had like the whole Bobito connection, right? Which turned into the LP connection, which turned into RJ's dead ringer being heard by LP. And then Def Jux wanting to put out a compilation of rock to start their label and being like, okay, we want to put, you know what I'm saying? Uh, this, this opposition shit on RJ's first thing. You see what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. all of that thing, all of that kind of just started happening, you know, uh, to, to rhyme sayers getting these big, uh, atmosphere taking off us being friends with them before all of this stuff happened. Um, but all those records we did, I mean, I did records that were big that didn't even come out, you know, like the, um, the orphanage record never came out. You know what I'm saying? Like that was me, a logic slug idea and Aesop rock never came out, but we were recording all that shit at the same time. Soul position, orphanage, the logic records, 1988, all that stuff. We were just doing shit. And I would just, you know, weekends we would try to go harder than we could. You know, I didn't, I didn't drink or smoke or do nothing back then. So it was pretty much right. if I wasn't working and it was music for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, has that energy changed? Like, yeah, that's our 20s energy, right? But now, like, yeah. our 40s energy, right? But, like, a little a little bit differently. Have you had to make adjustments? Uh... Yeah, there's adjustments. I think the adjustments are more in priorities now, right? So I think my adjustment now is, like, I can't afford to just do 20 different projects that I don't know are going to stick, right? Like, I did, could do back then, you know? So, like, back then, it's like, it's like maybe I should just do... um the shit that I think has the biggest impact now. That's the biggest difference now because yeah, like you say, you get a little older, you don't want to be guessing about what's worthy of your time. Is somebody going to promote this? Is there a home for that? Um, now it's more like, okay, what records can I make that I know have an audience or, or things that I can do that I know are in my 80, 20, you know, there's, there's a book called 80, 20 rule. You know, I read several, several years ago. And the, for those of you who haven't read this book, this book is, is basically talking about how they studied a bunch of businesses and, and a bunch of uh, successful people. And what they realized was that for all of these people and all of these businesses, the 80-20 rule applied. The 80-20 rule meant that 80% of a business's profits came from only 20% of their products. Right? And so... You have these businesses who do all this other shit. But then when you look at what is the most successful, it's just a small percentage of things that they do that contribute to that. And what I took away from that book was like artists are very similar. You know, if we look at our careers, all the records we've done, maybe 20 percent of the things you do are the ones that stick. The problem with a lot of artists is that we tend to do what we want as opposed to what sticks, what's in that 20. So the difference between me now and when I was in my twenties doing all that stuff is like, now I understand that what's in my 20%. 
you know what I'm saying? Like my 20% is in blueprint records. You know what I'm saying? It's not, I mean, it's, it's in these kind of records and that records in this franchise. Okay. The 19, it's certain it's in doing certain records that I already know my fan base has a, um, an inclination they already want you see what i'm saying as opposed to trying to prove that i can do shit different all the time it's like wait a minute once you get a fan base your job isn't to do a bunch of random shit your job is to give them what they want what they want right and so now i know what they want and now i'm just doing it better trying to execute it better update it more and more but i'm not searching for things i'm no longer in that 80 percent because that 80% makes me feel great as an artist. I'm going to do this 80% of shit. Oh, I did that. I got one of them records. I didn't want that. I did this with this person. I did that. And it's like, nah, but you only get paid the most, the 20% of what I do makes me the most money. And so now I focus on the 20%. That's the biggest difference. I still spend my two, three hours a night, you know, doing the same thing. If I can just like, uh, focus on, uh, the things that work for me, but I try to make sure it's like, okay, when it's time to put music out, when it's time to do the things that allow you to really, really be successful um, and keep this thing going, that I'm focusing on the the 20 percent, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? But yeah. Oh, yeah. You still there, Nick? I think we might have lost him. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, still still there. Sorry. Yeah. Listen, okay. I just was like, I muted to make sure, you know, you got, you know, you got it all up, but no, you're like, it definitely, it definitely makes sense. Right. And it sounds like that's like that perspective that you gain from right. All that time putting in this, you know, to see what works. Yeah. Eternal MC. What up G good to see you in the chat, my man. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. That's dope. But yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you guys go, man. Uh, Zero star. I appreciate you calling in, man. I appreciate you calling in brother, man. I'm going to wrap this up. I want y'all, everybody who's here now, uh, Logic is live right now. Logic is doing his beats and B-sides. Uh, I went a little bit over, didn't want it, wanted to go, but we had to get these bumpy knuckle stories in, and we got to get these ice tea stories in. Y'all know how we do, man. We not letting that shit go without being talked about. <laughs> so, Zero Star, uh, where, uh, where can we find you, Zero? Type your, type your info in the chat. If you're in Columbus, if you live in Columbus, so all my Columbus people in the chat, I need y'all to make it a point to go to Adela's on Oak. Adela's is a restaurant on Oak. They got a dope uh, res- uh, uh, menu, nice vegan menu. If you're vegan, um, they're open, you know, pretty much all the time for brunch as well as dinner. They got beer, alcohol. I need y'all to go to Adela's on Oak. Why? Because Adela's is Zero Star's restaurant. Zero Star is a restaurant owner, man. And he's got one of the dopest restaurants uh, there and he needs your support. And, uh, you know, as venues start opening back up, you might catch me there soon playing some beats there, maybe something like that. But his um, his restaurant should be supported. Adela's on Oak. They are on um, Instagram. You can follow him under Adela's A-D-E-L-L-A-S and support that brother, man. Y'all, those of y'all who know the history, y'all know we done put out zero star records and me and this man been rolling together since the early 2000s. And so seeing him become a restaurant owner and, and uh is very inspiring you know what i'm saying so those of you who are here please support my brother you know what i'm saying and uh and uh support him um gosh nick nick has a uh, baseball examine i'm gonna be on your show pretty soon nick uh, uh let me know when you want to set it up i know you want to set it up for the interview about the uh 
the social media well, yeah, cheat code. Yeah, definitely look, looking forward to for doing that. Thanks again for your time tonight. Friend. Yeah, man. And thanks for calling in. Like, appreciate you, brother. Yep, yep same. Hell yeah. I mean, log off here. Yeah, man. So all of you guys, man. Um, gosh, man. I think that's going to be it for this week. You know, I want to thank you all for, um, for, uh, for, for joining the chat. Thank you all for, for shooting through and all the questions, man. You know, we got so many uh, people in here, man. It's good to see the feedback. Uh, let me know if y'all want me to do this every month. You know, so I'll probably start doing this every month, man, just to give guys time to uh, uh, guys time to kind of get their questions together and things of that nature, man. And so uh, Willie Evans Jr. Shit. Oh, yeah. Illogic's YouTube. What is it? I think it's a logic. I think it's YouTube uh, dot com backslash logic six one four. I'm pretty sure his uh, handle on YouTube should be similar. Excuse me. I'm barping and shit should be similar to his other, one, which I think is a logic six one four uh on there and he's doing his beats and b-sides every week where he's doing a deep dive into his celestial clockwork reissue and playing beats and talking about that whole thing so please go over there and support my man um but yeah i think it's a logic 614 and let me see everybody else uh yes adult, yep yep time to start twitter beef yeah that's hilarious d hill yeah thanks pa i appreciate you man yeah at least every month yeah let's do this man at least every month you know we've had some really good uh feedback on it so far man so for those of you you know, I appreciate y'all. If y'all want to support Super Duty Tough Work, you know, head on over to. Uh, he said, "If you want to do, if you want Prince to do this every week, type one." <laughs> hey, you never know, man. People seem to like these. This is only second one, and this is uh, you know, this was really dope, man. So, you know, we want y'all to kind of uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and and, and uh, spread the word about this, man. Bring your questions, and we'll do this as often as possible, at least once a month moving forward. So I thank y'all, man. And uh, I'm going to get out of here, man. And so thanks to Zero Star. Thanks to Nick for calling in. And I'll see y'all uh, next week. Peace, y'all.